When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. All right, another episode of the Cedric Maxwell podcast. Cedric Maxwell's here. I am Josue Pavone. Max, the last dance is the one thing I have to look forward to every week, Max. Every Sunday, I got a pair of episodes waiting for me. And episode three and four didn't disappoint, Max. I mean, the the narrative about Isaiah Thomas versus Michael Jordan, all the trash talking that's happening now. Compared to what happened back then, you got the Dennis Rodman aspect of it, what he meant to this team. But let's start with the Detroit Pistons, right? And, and what Jordan had to do to get over that hump. But what do you remember about that time? And and uh, what's your takeaway about how Jordan had to overcome that? Well, physicality. Uh, if you could, <laughs> there were several plays where you could see Jordan on the inside in the paint getting knocked around like a pinball and not getting one call. Uh, and Detroit had a thing they called the tap-tap foul, according to Rick Mahorn, one of the players with Detroit at that time, is that you if you got fouled once, okay, the whistle goes off, but somebody else is going to foul you again. So you got two fouls for the price of one, and that was going to slow a guy down. So, I mean, Detroit did all they could physically to wear Jordan down, to frustrate Jordan, and remember, Jordan is 6'6". You're talking about some of these guys were, you know, 6'10", 285. Some guys, you know, Mahorn, 6'10", 300. And, and you're getting that kind of pounding every night. It's going to take a toll on you. How bad were they? Were they that bad? I mean, obviously, Jordan must have got a lot worse than other opponents. But do you remember how, like, physical they were? You had to well, I just think, yeah, I think that they wanted that mindset. They, they took that from the Celtics. And how we played against the Lakers. And they implemented that into who they were. I mean, they still talking about bad boys and all this stuff. It was it was just crazy to see. I happened to be at um, a, a ceremony they had when they retired Rip Hamilton's number in Detroit. And the Celtics were doing it that it was going to be a halftime. Well, it's only supposed to be about 10 minutes. It was probably about 25 minutes as he started to keep introducing people on and on. And the, and the crowd chanting, bad boys. And the Detroit ended up getting fined for that because they slowed the game up. But, uh, you know, it was, a, it, it, was a, it was a collection of smart, tough players 
who learned a lot when they played the Celtics during those series. When this, when they were trying to get over the hump mm-hmm. to beat the Celtics, you remember they had them, they had the Celtics beat until Larry Bird made the steal, uh, and uh, give the ball to Dennis Johnson, lay it up, and they beat Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Detroit, they had a couple close calls. Right? Detroit, yeah, Detroit mm-hmm. learned a lesson. They eventually end up beating beating the Celtics. So everybody, there's a stage and there's a plateau for every team and every player, and it's a um, thing that. Everybody has to go through. I don't care who you are. I mean, myself and Larry and Kevin and Robert, we went through it when we played Philadelphia during the 80s. I mean, we didn't feel like, we didn't think that we could beat them until we finally put it in our minds that these guys are no better than we are. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that has to be in your mind. I think great teams, great teams put doubt in your mind immediately. Once you play them, like this is going to be a long night or this is going to be something crazy. Do you think those Pistons teams, though, do you think their legacy is a bit tarnished because of the way they went about getting those championships? Because they got two championships. And, you know, Isaiah Thomas and other you know former Pistons players have talked about they feel like they get sort of overlooked when they're compared to the, to, to the Celtics and the Lakers era. Well, I think you start looking back at Detroit now and you see, OK, have they gotten close to a championship again? That's what you start looking at. Like, you know, they had that run uh, that they had, and they played well, but they won during that time, but they haven't gotten back. The Lakers and the Celtics have gotten back, uh, those teams that won championships during that time to win it again. So I I don't think that they're forgotten. I think people know how good they were, especially if you were a real baller. You knew how great Isaiah was. You knew that Joe, Joe Dumars was one of the great defenders of our time. Mm-hmm. He went head to head up with you know Jordan every every <clears throat> night. So they they had the personnel there that uh, played a very physical game. Uh, you throw in um, uh, Rick Mahorn, and then you have Bill Lambeer, and they that that was their motto. They weren't giving up any easy buckets on the inside. You could see that when they took Larry down two or three times. And then you add Dennis Rodman in the mix, and that was that was a cast of crazies. Mm. You think it's solely about that, though? Is it just their physicality? Because for Michael Jordan to call Isaiah Thomas an asshole, you know, on this documentary, that was certainly a highlight of those two episodes. And then Isaiah Thomas says that he was really surprised to hear that from Mike, you know, couple of days after the documentary aired well i think that you know there was I, I was just doing a little research today surprisingly on this very topic and they were talking about um the first time michael jordan uh really met up with um he saw a plan going against iverson and it was at the all-star game he had played him a couple of games and then at the all-star game um iverson playing the rookie game and then he was coming off the court. Jordan was coming on the court. And Jordan said, hey, you little bitch. <laughs> so I don't think that that's too much more than calling somebody an asshole. You know, I've had James Worthy say that about me when I said he choked at the free throw line. Said, then I had to deal with this asshole pointing towards me. So I think those things come out. Yeah, I think that was the first thing he ever said to Allen Iverson, too. I, I believe so. I believe AI said that. Man, yeah. yeah, I mean, AI was just like, he was like his idol and the guy you idolize. And then all of a sudden you get this, you know, you you get a slap in the face. You're like, damn, this is, I mean, I always remember that with myself with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, my favorite player of all times. And I'm on the court with him and 
he just runs by and just elbows me in the stomach. I'm like, what the hell was that? I mean, as I told people before, my, he didn't hurt me, but my damn feelings were hurt. <laughs> and I think that's the same thing probably with Iverson. But what it tells you, if there's a superstar guy that goes out of his way to elbow you, or goes out of his way to say something to you. That's a compliment. That yeah, then mm-hmm. you, then you are then you're relevant. Right. You are relevant. You're on in, that person's radar. You're relevant right. in his eyes. Right. So if if you're any of these guys, and you know, even if Isaiah, even if, uh, if Jordan said that about Isaiah, he's an asshole. I mean that that just goes with you know who you are. But uh, do you think it's beyond basketball though? Because I think that's what people are getting at. I can't imagine it being you know more than basketball, and I've. I, I like Isaiah. I've, you know, I've dealt with him for years, and you know, he will always find his way over to me to talk to me or whatever. And we had battles and wars, and, and so I, I, I can't imagine. And you know, that's the same thing I say about you know the whole thing with Kevin Garnett right now and Ray Allen. It's like there's a time in your life when you're an old soldier that you let that die, mm-hmm. and you respect the opposition. You've seen that. You've seen that many times, like when when there's a war, and you, you these two countries have been warring against each other, and eventually two guys who were trying to kill, literally kill each other became friends after the war. People in Japan, some people in America became real close friends. So you know, and and this is a warfare. This is just basketball. So I I, I don't quite understand. How you continue down that line about somebody being an asshole? You think it's petty for Mike? I, I think it. Would I mean, be, the whole thing is petty. I think some it, level, I, right? I, I'm not going to use the word. I'm going to say it's beneath him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan is one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, you know, at, at this time, you want to call this guy an asshole? At, at this time, I mean, you, you, have you guys not, you know, broken bread and, you know, and, and you know, laid that to rest? It seemed like you would. Yeah, but he's also one of the most competitive, if not the most competitive athlete. Right? Everybody says That's that what about it is, Everybody right? keeps saying that about Jordan B. I, there's a thousand guys in the NBA who were competitive. Everybody's competitive to get to that level. Now, there are some guys maybe a little bit more competitive than others. But the one they always say was the most competitive was maybe they they keep talking about Kobe Bryant, how competitive he was. Uh, Michael Jordan was competitive. I've heard, like when he mm-hmm. played cards, he didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. When he was in college, he was playing backgammon, turned the board over because he was mad. So, yeah, there are guys who just want to win. And, and that's, I think, probably got him in trouble in, in the game of golf when he was he was good, but he wasn't good enough to – you know, we got people who, you know, preyed on him because, you know, they wanted to get his money. Right. And they would, you know, there were golfers who would line up to play him because, you know, he was good, but he wasn't professionally good. Like some of these guys got one and two handicaps and he, Jordan has maybe a 10 handicap. I mean, it's hard really to overcome that. Mm-hmm. But but the egotistical <clears throat> nature of great players sometimes get in the way. Right. That's the way I look at it. I look at it as, look. Michael's looking back on those years saying, yeah, I won. I beat you. I got over that hump. But I'm not going to forget what you did. I'm not going to forget what I had to go through to, to, to get there. And I'm not going to forget that I took you down. I don't want you to forget it. I'm going to throw it in your face forever. I don't think that. You is know, that competitiveness or is that just too petty? I, I, is there a difference? I, I, I think, again, beneath, beneath him. Because I think we've all gone there. 
I mean, I didn't. I don't think we pushed it in Philadelphia's face when we came back and beat them from a three-one series and had them tied up again. Could have beat them again three-one. Um, you know, Doc Rivers in, in the interview I had with him, he was talking about uh, the Lakers and the Celtics, and and, and when the Lakers, when not, excuse me, uh, Miami and the Celtics, um, the year or two after the Celtics won, LeBron joined. Um, D-Wade in Miami and Boston came back home in the sixth game here in Boston with an opportunity to win it on the Celtics floor and LeBron came out in that game I remember talking to uh, Lorenzo Morning Alonzo excuse Mm -hmm. me Alonzo Morning about that and uh, he said when, when LeBron James came out he walked by himself and Pat Riley and normally he would speak he didn't say a word and he came out in that sixth game and was like <laughs> like you're throwing fireballs at like you're throwing you're throwing you shooting a gun at God it's like, <laughs> it's like it, it, it made no difference in that sixth game and one LeBron, of his greatest games yeah one of the greatest yeah. but as Doc Rivers said if they had lost that game they would have broke that thing up. Yeah. Chris Bosh would have been gone. Somebody would have been gone. Yeah. But they came back and won that game here in Boston and eventually won that the sixth, the seventh, and deciding game in uh, Miami. And Boston had them down late in that game. And I told you that story before how I was the one, I was the guy, the legend, who was going to receive the trophy, Eastern Conference trophy. That night, right? Uh, Celtics win, and they came up to me and said, "Okay, you know, Celtics win this game. They have no other legends here. You're the legend here. We're going to give you the trophy." I had already planned my speech, man. I I had my speech was this is how my speech was going to go. I'm like, well, I really appreciate Miami. She's going to hand me the trophy. Really appreciate Miami. They were great, you know, great opponent, and you know, they for all props go up to them. Then I was going to look away, and I was going, but. How about them damn Celtics? <laughs> but, oh, it would have been perfect, Disney, man. I, in I, Miami, too. I, I didn't get a chance to do it, so it, it just kind of uh, just kind of just rattles me. And as a matter of fact, I was going to get a chance to do it again in L.A. Uh, 09. Oh, no, Celtics, 2010. 2010, when, when game the, seven. Well, yeah, when the Celtics went up in that game. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. had said the same thing again. If we... If the Celtics win, you're, Bill Russell wasn't around, you're going to be the guy that's going to receive the championship trophy. Mm-hmm. And then I hand it over to, you know, Wick and Brad and right. all those. I mean, excuse me, Brad. I had to get the Wick and I hand it over to Doc Rivers and, and the team. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been shafted twice right now in this championship <laughs> run. I, I think they owe me one now. So <laughs> The next one's going to be you. Yeah, right next one, I'm all over it. Used to conference finals, probably, yeah. just in case. You yeah. Know, get it in there. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss, and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105. And that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, 
Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Yeah, I love that part of it because that's just a huge part of Back to Jordan, right? Uh, his legacy and what he had to go through. But then, of course, there's the other episode, which was about Dennis Rodman. I, I think a lot of the time we forget just how good and how important he was to this team. And I'm saying we as in my generation forgets. Everyone's just quick to remember Jordan and Pippen. But this episode was about uh, him getting his little, forty quote-unquote, 48 hours, right? Phil Jackson gave him 48 hours. He can go to Vegas, take a little vacation, clear his head. And come right back. What are the chances Dennis Rodman was going to come back in 48 hours? I I like what Jordan said. 48 hours. Jordan said, you're going to get that guy back. (laughs) You're not going to get him back. Facts. Uh, Why would you even think you're going to get him back in 48 hours? So, I mean, in in that respect, I mean, Dennis just went out there and hung and did his thing and partied and women and, you know, smoking cigars. But I guess that's what they, you know, they had... Rode Dennis's back a long time, and he just wanted a little break, and uh, they gave it to him. So, you know, it was it was interesting to see Jordan talk about this. It. It interesting to see how Phil handled it. I just can't imagine a coach during this particular time telling one of his players like Jason Tatum, you you know what. I know you done played all season long, and we right in the middle. Go, go to, go to Vegas for a couple of days, years, go, couple of days, and just hang out. Go clear your head. You go know. clear your head out. You know, I know you're gonna be with the hoes and hanging out and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I know that's what you're doing. You know, you're going hoe hopping while you're out there. But just like, do you think really? I come back focused. Yeah, right? but you can't come e- back focused. You can't even imagine a coach doing that. And on top of that, how would social media handle that? Oh, if man. they saw Dennis Rodman partying imagine every night social with social media with Dennis Rodman. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We would have got some clips of what happened between him and Carmen Electra before yeah. everybody said yeah. before yeah. any of the outlets reported it. He would have put it on his own Instagram. Yeah. That yeah. would have been so, true. So I mean that was him and then now you see him with uh, you know going to Korea that time with Kim Young Yoom over there and just like that's a whole other chapter, man. Yeah, Too many chapters. He's crying and you know I'm giving my money to charity and he, he was he he was he was a piece of work. He was a piece of work. You ever talked to him? I have. Uh, where I was at an, an event um, in Vegas, of all places of in Vegas. Probably must say about ten, fifteen years ago, and we were playing. I was actually still playing a little bit. We were, we were playing with some celebrities, and Dennis came in, and the place kind of went went wow. And he came over. Hey, hey, Max, how you doing, man? What's going on? You know, spoke to me and all that stuff. That's so, up. so it was it was really cool. But you know, yeah, Dennis Rodman is uh, he was a force in his own own right. Right. Yeah. Right. And he got it done on the court. You know, from the rebounding to obviously, you know, the, arguably if not the greatest rebounder, but also just defending in general, just energy. It was exactly well, what they. That's needed. what that's what me myself and Doc Rivers had this argument about. 
I can't say it was an argument. Just say it was a disagreement. Um, somebody had asked me about Dennis Rodman being a Hall of Famer. I was like, no, I don't think he's no Hall of Famer. I mean, I didn't see that. And Doc Rivers, I guess, was disagreeing with me. And um, I was walking down the hall in the garden, walking by Doc Rivers, and he was holding a press conference. It wasn't. A, it was about a game the Celtics were playing. But he made a point of, as I was walking by, I said, yes, Dennis Rodman is a Hall of Famer. And looked right at me. And I was like, you asshole. <laughs> so, Doc Rivers, I, I had a chance to talk to him the other day. And I made mention of that exact thing, uh, why he did that to me. And he just he just bust out laughing. But Dennis Rodman was unique. And, and I'll say that. Now, Hall of Famer, I think there was a lot of guys who I think maybe were better players. But... Winning multiple championships, being able to guard five guys, uh, having the rebounding title almost, you know, for his size almost every year. Uh, he was he he was unique. And mm-hmm. I guess in today's NBA, that uniqueness can get you into the Hall of Fame. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's still nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino, you got poker, you got blackjack. They are bringing Vegas to you. Absolutely. I think the thing about it, when you think about playing at this particular time, you want to stay safe, you want to be home. Now, I don't know if I would have bet on Paul Pierce the other day against Zach Levine, but I know that was out there to be done. But Bet Online gives you opportunities, especially in this time of safety, that you just cannot beat. Absolutely. And if you're into entertainment betting, Bet Online has got you covered there as well. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. This is open 24 hours a day. It's all online. And if you head to betonline.ag make make sure you enter the promo code CLNS50 where you'll get a 100% payback bonus on your first deposit that is CLNS50 make sure you head over to betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code you ever had someone like that? someone that your teammate was like yeah make sure you keep an eye on him or maybe you didn't have to but was there there like someone else kind of loose like that go out a lot stay out late no, we didn't didn't have anybody during the eighties like that, you know, that you stay out late. I mean, during the seventies, early seventies, I'm sure there were a lot more guys at that time were hanging out because it was so much more prevalent about, you know, things that people were doing. Mm-hmm. It was snorting cocaine, to using other recreational drugs to all the things that people did during during that time, I think it would have been a lot more prevalent. Um I had a one of our my teammates uh, was with me, and it was the great Marvin Barnes who played at Providence uh, back in the day. Was, was just hell of a player, and by the time he got to the Celtics, he was probably a shell of himself. But um, his heyday was when he played with the Cincinnati, Cincinnati, not excuse me, the St. Louis Blues, uh, and we played an exhibition game uh, that year. And no matter of fact, it was a regular season game against Kansas City uh, in St. Louis. And Marvin Barnes had the room beside me. And I remember coming back to the room and literally all night, the they were jamming over there. I mean, <laughs> music was pumping, jamming. That was, la- that was the last time I saw Marvin. 
He didn't come to the plane. He never came back to the team. That was the last day. Wow. He was he was lost in St. Louis, and that was it. He was done. We, huh? He was done. He left him in St. Louis, and I never saw him again as a basketball player. I saw him again later on, but that was the last time I saw him as a basketball player. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That always intrigues me because obviously these players they have stuff going on in their personal life, you know. So it's interesting to me when when you hear stories about if a certain player is not doing so well and he wants to be out and about and how his teammates are able to pick them up and those kind of things always oh, it's interesting to me. I always I, I think of Dennis and I wonder, uh, you know. When that bio flick comes out, you know we'll, we'll find out a lot more. I think they're gonna make a movie about him. Dennis is Dennis was a an unusual kind of guy. He he almost the way he ran. I remember Isaiah Thomas saying that to me when they first got Dennis. He said, "Max, we got this guy right now, Rodman. He he runs like a thoroughbred." And sure enough, if you watch Dennis Rodman run. It's like he prances. He doesn't right. run. He prances. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a so, friend who used to imitate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he used to run up the court. Yeah. So I mean, those are things about Dennis which were were so unique. And I mean, I don't think you've seen the six eight, two hundred and twenty pound guy be able to guard, go from centers to small forwards to guards. Mm-hmm. Essentially, he could guard all five positions and do a hell of a job. 